Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on I'm this. <laughs> people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. It's the 2016 Olympics in Brazil. At first, the Brazilian men's futebol team is doing poorly and the women's is putting on a show. When the men fail to score against traditionally weak opponents, Iraq and South Africa, the fans start to chant, Mata! 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 On the back of their Brazil jerseys above the number 10, kids cross out Neymar and scrawl Marta in magic marker. This is not just to make a statement. If you want a shirt with Marta on the back, this is the only way to do it. The sports stores, T-shirt shops and street vendors who walk up and down Copacabana carry endless Neymars, but no one has a Marta. This is shocking for a global futebol icon to not have a jersey with her name on it in her own country. Marta has won FIFA World Player of the Year six times. And yet you can't buy a shirt with her name on it. How is that even possible? This is one of the questions Gwen, who actually played for Santos FC, set out to answer when she wrote her book, Under the Lights and in the Dark, which inspired this docuseries. So come with us to the most futiball-mad country in all the land, as we follow the trail of the magicians, some you may have heard of, some you haven't. We'll head to Santos, the most storied club in Brazilian history, where the women attempt to win the hearts of their country. I'm Hannah Waddingham, and this is Hustle Rule. This episode is Brazil's number 10. Cry in the beginning, smile in the end. Now over to Gwen. To understand Brazil's relationship with Futebol Feminino, here's some history. It first appeared during the traveling circuses of the 1920s, where women's soccer matches took place alongside magic tricks. 
By 1940, the women's game had spread like wildfire. A thousand reported matches a day. But then Brazil banned futebol feminino in 1941. The law, which remained in place until 1981, stated that women will not be allowed to practice sports which are considered incompatible to their feminine nature. Enter Cicely Lima do Amor, known as Cici. She was born in Esplanada in 1967, and she was one of Brazil's first futebol feminino magicians. There's a generation of us out there who swooned over her, yet she disappeared before anybody knew what happened to her. And when she was growing up, it was illegal for her to play. It was a crazy law. I was born in a small town uh, north of Brazil, so of course, I ignore completely. But it was complicated because my parents, especially my dad, he didn't like the idea of me playing soccer because I was a girl. One day, I was so upset that I decided, okay, so since they are not letting me play, so I went to my room, I grabbed my dolls, and I, I took my doll's head off. So that's when I started basically playing soccer with my doll's head. My older sister, she was getting already, you know, upset because she started like, okay, I have to hide all my dolls as well. So my dad one day... After, I think he saw all my dolls with our heads, and he's like, this is insane. Finally, he decided to give my first soccer ball. Probably was the best day of my life, to be honest, when he finally recognized this girl was born with a, a gift. I remember going to the backyard, and my goodness. And I remember... Hearing him talk to my mom, and my mom said, do you know what you're creating over here? And he's like, let's see. I've been saying no for the past couple months, so let's see. Soccer for me is magical. It is hard to put in words, but that's where I could be sissy, you know. The little girl with a huge, a big dream that was to show something special. By the time she's 16 years old, Cece gets her first call-up to the national team, and she's given jersey number 10, the number reserved for the gods of her country. I remember crying like a baby, but it was the best feeling, because I'd say, oh my gosh, number 10, Pelé, number 10, Zico. I had butterflies for sure. It was crazy. It was crazy. And this was a dream come true. In the 1999 World Cup, Cece, number 10, was my favorite. She was all my friends' favorite. She was this tiny fairy with a shaved head who took these astonishing little touches and played balls we would never have thought of. In the 1999 World Cup, she wowed the entire world and won the golden boot, tied for the most goals scored. The next year, she captains the Olympic team, and in 2001, she's invited to play in the new U.S. Pro League. And for the Bay Area Cyber Rays, well, the WUSA's assist leader, Cece. What can you say about her but one of the best playmakers in the world? That very same year, the Sao Paulo Futebol Federation also started a league. But what at first seemed like progress was actually more like going backwards. To play, you had to have long hair. 
ponytails only. Keep in mind, this isn't the 1980s. This is 2001. This is after Mia Hamm has already arrived on scene and changed the game in the United States. Uh, the girl should wear ponytails, makeup, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't believe that our confederation was going that far. And I declined. So there was a lot of players that they could not participate on that tournament. I thought this was not okay. Back in the U.S., she leads the Bay Area Cyber Rays to the U.S. Pro League Championship. She's at the top of her game and wants more respect for Futsibal Femenino. Of course, I became more vocal, you know, fighting more for our rights, better structure, financially, especially. And I don't think that was, it was okay with Confederation. Right after the Olympics, I pay a high price because I was not called anymore for the national team, even though I thought I was playing my best soccer. Let's take this in for a second. Cece, quite possibly the best in the world, is cut from the team. No explanation. I remember watching the World Cup in 2003 and looking for her, scanning the field. Like, where is she? Where is Cece? Like everyone else, I assumed she'd retired, but that wasn't what happened. I I think I was physically, mentally on the uh, best shape of my life, to be honest. And I think this is the only thing that I still until today bothers me because I didn't have a chance to close the chapter with the national team the way that I think I deserve. I always try to leave everything on the field and make my country proud. What's extra infuriating for both the fans and the players is that 2003 is the year Marta Vieira da Silva, the 5-4 phenomenon from Dois Hiachos, arrived on the national team scene, which means we would have had Cece playing alongside Marta. Exactly. Can you imagine? And just like that, Brazil's first futebol feminino magician fades out. So Marta, Cece's number 10 successor, picks up the fight to win the hearts of their country. She was already crazy, crazy good. You knew right away. At that 2003 World Cup, Marta was astonishing. I sat on my coffee table in Pensacola, Florida. But let's celebrate the skills of Marta. Getting as close to the screen as I possibly could. Unable to believe what I was seeing. Her jinga the Brazilian word for some blend of magic and imagination with the ball, is extraordinary on its own. But she has another power. She scores. Many Brazilian male stars have been gifted in the art of the dribble. But only one ended the dribbling sprees with goals. Pelé, Brazil's greatest goal scorer of all time. Now, nearly 50 years later, a new goal sorcerer had arrived. In her first six games with the national team, Marta scored 16 goals. That's 2.5 goals per game. In her first World Cup, her performance feels like a meteor shower. Every touch, an explosion of magic. And anyone watching would attest to have witnessed something rare. But in Brazil, no one was watching. Here's Brazilian sports journalist Frederico Batalha. 
2003, the ratings of the futebol feminino were very small because women's soccer was not widely known. It was not publicized here in Brazil. Two years after Marta lit up the field, I got an email. Brazilian team looking for American goal scorer. Even though I was an outside mid who almost never scored goals, I emailed back, yes, me, because I couldn't resist the chance to go to Santos, home of Pelé. And I had the memory of Marta burnt into my mind. I wanted to go to this country that had created her, the most dazzling player I'd ever witnessed. That summer, no one came to our games or even knew a women's side existed. We lived two hours outside of Santos. We hitchhiked to practice, shared our field with a horse, and washed our jerseys by hand. We often trained on the beach, and when there were high tides, we ran sprints on the main highway. But what blew my mind the most was that even though she was widely known in the U.S., the Brazilian general public had never heard of Marta. Anytime I talked to anyone outside of my team, the taxi drivers, the waiters, the acai vendors, the kids on the beach, I had to know, do you know who Marta is? The answer was always no. It would be two more years before that changed. In June 2007, Brazil hosts the Pan American Games, which means Marta will play for the national team on home soil. This is the first chance her country has to witness her in person. Marta scored five goals against Canada. E quatro contra o Equador. And she scored four goals against Ecuador. E na final, and in the final match against the US, she scored two goals. Not only that, she had two assists. E aí and they got this historic score, defeating the US 5-0, ensuring the gold medal. Stories started to spread of the girl who scored as many goals as Pelé and who does so in equally spectacular fashion. Here's Brazilian national team player Andressa Alves, who watched those games when she was 15 years old. 2007 in the Pan American Games in Rio de Janeiro, she was incredible. The things she did, how she played, I couldn't imagine that someone would be able to do that. First of all, I was like, I couldn't believe that women's soccer was on TV and seeing the girls, right? It made me believe in my dream. And I told my dad that I would be there someday, that he would see me on TV. Months later, in the 2007 Women's World Cup, she again electrifies. In the semifinal, once again facing the United States, Marta backheel juggles the ball around one side of the defender, pirouettes around the other, then slots the ball into the back of the net. The most spectacular, ridiculous goal you've ever seen in your life. All of Brazil takes notice. The morning after the game, I was back in Brazil, making a documentary called Pelada, the Portuguese word for pickup games. And this time, Marta, and consequently, Futebol Feminino, 
is everywhere. The headlines read, Marta, Marta, Marta. In the neighborhood bars, dozens gathered around televisions, watching the highlights as they waited for their coffee to brew in the morning, reacting, whistling, appreciating. Two years earlier, no one had heard of her. Now, I no longer needed to ask about her because everyone from the grandpas to the little girls were chanting her name. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. But in spite of the hunger to watch her play, to make her living, Marta couldn't stay in her home country. She had to continue playing for teams in faraway places, like Sweden and the United States. This meant Brazilians still had no way to witness her play professionally in person. Still, even with Marta gone, that World Cup performance left an aftershock. 
a lingering magic that spread beyond her. Which brings us back to Santos FC, the club I played with three summers earlier. Seeing the reaction to Marta and the women's team in the World Cup, Santos' management was suddenly thinking, maybe we should pay a bit more attention to the women's side. On the Santos website, the club posts an invitation to an open tryout for the women's team. Here's Clayton, my old coach, who had pretty much single-handedly created the women's team at Santos. Nós fizemos uma peneira, abrimos uma inscrição é, para para uh, na internet e apareceram em dois. So we had a call on the internet for the tryouts, and in two days we had 1,100 applications. From the 1,100 girls that applied, about 980 came. At the time, in 2007, the internet was not that sophisticated here in Brazil. We had just email. So we also received many physical letters of girls that wanted to apply. And they would come from all corners of Brazil, from the northern region, from the northeastern region, from the Amazon region, like thousands of miles away from Santos. Some of them couldn't afford to cover the traveling expenses. And it was really buzzing with commotion, because when I was about to arrive at 8 a.m., that was the time scheduled for the tryout, there were like 2,000 people in front of the gate, because there were like a 1,000 girls plus their families and their coaches. From the 1,000 girls, they were used to playing pickup matches, they were used to playing on the streets at school, they had no formal coaching. Uh, our team was quite strong, so we had to hire people who were ready to become professionals. If they were skilled only and they had talent to be developed, this was not enough for us. So from the thousand girls, just one of them became a professional soccer player. That one player was Ketlin Wiggers, who traveled over 12 hours from Rio Fortuna in the state of Santa Catarina. She was 14 years old. Ever since I was a child, I heard the stories. My grandmother was a supporter of Santos Club. There was no TV in her time, so she had a small radio, a battery radio, and she would listen to all the matches on the radio. She would use the radio to listen to Pelé's goals, Coutinho's goals. My grandmother played, and my mom also played soccer. This passion was something that came down from generation to generation. So I heard the stories and then I fell in love with Santos ever since I was a child, because I wanted to live a little bit of my grandmother's dream. So I got there with my suitcase. I said goodbye to all of my friends in my city. When the doors opened to me, I grabbed and made the dream come true. The talent at Santos is undeniable. And like Ketlin, each of them has a story of finding a way to play. Here's Erica Cristiano dos Santos, known on the field only as Erica. As a kid, she used to take three different buses just to get to practice from her home in Sao Paulo. So every day I would have to earn the money for the bus and my mother would bake cakes and pies and candies and I would sell them at school. And with that money, I would then 
buy the ticket. Sometimes when I did not sell anything, I didn't have the money. And my mother asked, do you have the money today for the bus to go to the practice? And then I said, yes, yes, it's here with me. Oh, okay. It's a lie. You know, my father is a bus driver. I knew all the other drivers, you know, then I would go under the turnstile because I asked my the bus drivers who were my father's friend, let me go under the turnstile. I said, yes, yes, you can go. My hair was really long until my buttocks. And then I feel my hair passing through the floor like this, you know. <laughs> But I didn't care. The only thing that I wanted was to play soccer. I wanted to follow my dreams. So the Sanchistas come from all over Brazil, and they dazzle with their flowing, beautiful futebol. The city comes to their games to see what they refer to locally as futebol arte, football art. Largely because of the beauty of the Santos futebol, Clayton is named head coach of the Brazilian national team. And this is the moment when he convinces Marta to come home. In the press conference announcing Marta's arrival, the Santos Futebol Club president says, Santos already had Pelé and marked the history of world men's football. Now, with the arrival of Marta, we will also mark a time in the history of women's football. We hope that she'll repeat the steps of the king. Marta adds, I'm wearing number 10. That was Pelé's number. The expectations are really high, and I'm hoping to have the same success as him. It will be like a dream for me, for my mom to be there, now that I'm closer and it's possible. Catlin, the one out of the thousand who made the team, is now 17 and teammates with Marta, and she's pretty much beside herself. So my dream has always been, you know, playing next to her, playing with her. So when I saw Marta next to me, I couldn't speak to her. I was speechless. She's the queen here in Brazil. Marta has come to play for Copa Libertadores, the South American final, which is a huge deal. It's the Champions League of South and Central America, Santos hasn't won since Pelé was with the team, back in 1963. It's been over 40 years. The women are playing in the famous Villa Belmiro Stadium, something we were never allowed to do when I was on the team five years earlier. Back then, we had only a dozen or so curious onlookers show up at our games. But now... 12,000 people are here to see Futebol Feminino. This is the strength of Marta, the force of the best in the world. When she was playing for Santos, Marta had the opportunity to see her mother watching her play in a stadium. She had never had this opportunity before and also had never seen all of the fans cheering for her. It was very, very moving. That was like fulfilling a dream for her. At a press conference, Marta says, It's a very special moment for me to play in Brazil with my mom here, because my mom has never had the opportunity to see me play. I left my house when I was 14, and she's never seen me play. So it was very emotional. 
After Marta, the queen, scores, she runs to her mother in the crowd and makes a heart shape with her hands. Her mother cries and says, That's my daughter. She scored. She did it. Come here, my baby. And here's Erica's reaction. Before that, nobody really cared, you know. Nobody really watched our matches. And at the Libertadores, the, it was so crowded, you know. It was packed with people. And people were on the streets. That's when we started to grow in the women's soccer. Even men's teams, uh, fans, the parents, the grandparents, children, and everybody knew us. They would call us by our names. They would never forget these moments. And while you couldn't buy a national team jersey with Marta's name on it, you could buy a Santos Marta jersey. We made the jersey with her name and her number, number 10. And we also made a men's cut because men were also demanding to wear her jersey. So it was a men's fit with Mata's name on the back of the jersey. It sold like hotcakes. And with each game, the crowd grew. Mata would cry in the dressing rooms because we had audiences coming to the stadium of 25,000 people, 20,000 people, and they would all scream for her. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations 
that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with the season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Santos scores showers of goals. Not only do they have Marta, they have Cristiani too, who is spectacular. She scores five goals in a game, another five goals in the next game. They sail through to the championship. Vila Belmiro Stadium was full. It was crowded. So we felt the vibration, the love of the supporters. I went into the second half of the game. That's when I played. And I could fulfill another dream. I scored a goal of the final match for Libertadores. And it was Marta's pass. I was there in the final match of the Libertadores Cup, getting a pass from the Queen. So these were two dreams coming true in a single moment. It was a magical moment in my life. After the final, when the reporters talked to Marta, she cries. This win is for her mom, for the Santos Nation, and for all of the Brazilian people who came. It's like a dream, she says. I don't believe it. It's so emotional. And I'd like to thank, from the bottom of my heart, all the people who came to the games, all who came to lift up Futebol Feminino. I pray to God that this keeps happening, that it goes on, for the girls that remain here in Brazil after this season. O Santos tinha sido campeão, se não me engano, em 63. We had won that cup in 1963 with Pelé's team. So it took a long time for that to happen again. The trophy finally came back to Santos. Meanwhile, that same year, 2009, another Brazilian magician is making their Santos FC professional debut, 17-year-old Neymar da Silva Santos Jr. The gifted teenager will score 14 goals and show fabulous promise in spite of a lackluster season by the men's side. At that time in 2010, Santos had the best players in the world. Pelé was an icon. He was also a spectator. We could see him in the stadium. We had Marta, the best in the world. And we had Neymar, who was becoming one of the best in the world. So we had all of the icons that year. In 2011, Marta comes back again for another Copa Libertadores, which they will again win. Marta will score 26 goals in 14 games. 
By now, on the men's side, Neymar is a shining star, the leading scorer as he takes the men to their first Copa Libertadores championship since Pelé. In December of that year, Marta and Neymar played together in a charity match. After the game, Neymar sees Marta walk by and his face lights up. He interrupts the reporter to call out to her. The pair high-five, then lace their hands together. In their faces, you can see they are mutually awestruck. When the reporter said, here we are with two crack players, crack being the ultimate compliment in Portuguese, Marta responded shyly, he's more crack. He says, nah, nah, she's the best in the world. Just when you think you've found football utopia, then come the rumors. The new Santos president is considering cutting the women's side. Here's Erica and Ketlin. And I say, what? what do you mean being cut off if we were winning everything? So there's no way it will end. And even so, we kept on working, you know, winning cups, winning trophies and titles. But those rumors become reality. The new Santos president announced the women's team was done. I wept. I cried a lot. My childhood dream simply disappeared. In the press conference announcing that they were cutting the team, Erica cried. We play because we love to play. We just want to play. The people rebelled against this decision. People graffitied the walls of the club stadium. People could not resign to the idea of the fact that the women's team was coming to an end because of the political turmoil. Because after all, Santos had been the best in the Americas. So this caused a lot of demonstration and marches out in the streets. Até o presidente fazer essa reunião com a gente e falar sobre isso. The president had this meeting with us. He said that he loved women's soccer. He adored us because he had a daughter who really loved soccer. Everything that a president usually says at, at these occasions, you know, it's just because we don't have the sponsors now for the girls, you know, they don't want to support you anymore. And some of the directors are also uh, unhappy because the costs are too high. And we could not understand where this was coming from. At the time the women's team was axed, its entire operating budget was 1.5 million reais a year, which in 2012 was around $826,000. The club was concurrently paying Neymar a million reais a month or around 558000 Two months of Neymar's salary would run the women's team for more than a year. We asked, what are the, the expenses? One sponsorship at a time paid for the whole payroll. She would always, always mention, but the directors, the members of the board, you know, oh, it's really complex. But Erica was not ready to give up. She asks the president. If we can get sponsors, can you continue to the women's soccer? Will we? He said, yes, yes, we will then go on. If you get the sponsors, then yes. The whole thing feels like a movie. 
the protagonist faced with finding huge sums of money to stave off disaster. Erica is not someone who is easily dissuaded. She's used to hustling. Even if that means fighting the fight after she's forced to move back home with her mom in Sao Paulo. My mother was all the time with me. She was like calling the banks, calling stores. Please, don't you want to help the girls? That was on the other phone, talking to other people, other players. I didn't want to eat. I wouldn't sleep. I don't give up. I go, I go to the end. Everybody was saying that. The media was saying that. That's why women's soccer was being canceled, because Neymar had attracted all the sponsors. All the sponsors wanted to sponsor Neymar. In a press conference, when a reporter asked Neymar if he felt bad that his high salary had resulted in the dissolution of the women's team, President Luis Alvaro grabbed the mic before Neymar could respond. Later, Neymar would say, Of course I was sad. If it's possible to help, I'll help. Not just me. I think all the players could help just a little so that Fuchiball Femenino can return. The women have won titles for us, too. And the women's team takes him at his word. So the first thing that I thought is, he likes women's soccer. He has always liked us. And it's not that like we are nobodies, you know. We have always been friends. So he would always watch our matches. We were playing the base category at the time in Santos. And what was talked, we were getting the same buzz. We were playing in uh, places that were very close to each other. And the first thing that I thought, well, he's very powerful. Maybe they can help us somehow. I was not asking for money. I was asking for an idea, a guidance to help women's soccer not to be canceled. And Neymar called me and they said, Erica, we are going to help you. Stay calm. And I would say, how can we stay calm? Everybody is unemployed. We don't know what to do. And then he told me, my father is going to get in touch with you and he's going to solve whatever it's necessary. He's going to help you. So she and a teammate go talk with Neymar's father. I told him everything that happened. And he said, Erica, you cannot go away. And it's not because of Neymar. It's because the president, he doesn't want women's team anymore. The, the board doesn't want anymore. But you must fight. And then I told him, we don't have the power. The president says they need sponsors. Can you help me? And then he said, yes, I can. I'm going to get you sponsors for you, you girls. In four days, he called me back. And then he said, Erica, I managed to get a bank as a sponsor and also clothes, brands, a clothes brands. I think it were four or five sponsors that would add up to even more of what we had in the past. He said, Erica, it's going to work out. It's going to work. Rest assured. When I went to the president with the news, smiling, and he was, I said, Erica, this is not going to work, you know, because the, the members of the board, and he was like this, and he said, well, 
it's going to be hard, I don't know, to have a women's team because many members of the board, they don't like women's soccer, you know. And then I was crying and I said, why did you lie to me, I asked him. Why did you lie to me? And my mother was with me, you know, in the room. And my mother, she almost attacked him. You know, she almost flew in his neck because she was like indignant, you know how he was wearing that face and telling us on our faces. And I said, that's not possible. That That's what I'm hearing. And I felt like the, someone had pulled the rug from my feet. So the women not only won everything, championships, hearts of their city, they also raised a million heais to bring back Fuchibol Feminino. And yet, they're still told no. You cannot have a team. You cannot play here. And as for Marta, the greatest player in the world, this is not the only time her team has gone under. Her very first team, Vasco da Gama, it folded. Her second team, Minas Gerais, folded. When she went to the US and led her LA Sol to the championship, it too folded. Her second US team, the FC Gold Pride, she also led to a championship and they too folded. Her third US pro team, the Western New York Flash, also wins the championship, and then the entire league folds. She heads to Sweden to play with Turiso, and at the end of 2014, they too fold. That's seven teams that have gone under. The best player in the world struggled to find a team that could stay afloat. But that's not where the story ends. I always tell my nephews... Many people will throw stones on your way, you know, big stones, small stones. If you want to stumble on those stones and fall to the ground, or if you want to get the stones, put them in your pocket and build your castle. Don't give up. Go to the end. Erica has gone on to play all over the world and just won the Brazil Championship with Corinthians. Three years after they cut the team... Santos FC gets a new president and one of the first things he does is reinstate the women's team. Ketlin, the 15-year-old kid who travelled a dozen hours with a suitcase to have a chance to play for her grandma's team, she returned to Santos. She truly became a star. She hit records on top of records. And she's one of the best forward players that we have today in Brazil. She goes on to become the leading goal scorer in Santos FC women's history joining Pele as one of the only players to score more than 100 goals. To mark the occasion, they painted a huge mural of her face. It stretches across the wall of the training centre beside Pele. I was leaving the training session, walking by the wall, and I looked up and I wondered, is that me? That's my face on the wall. What is it doing there? And that's me. So my friends began screaming, you know, celebrating together with me. I cried. So every day I go by the wall and I see my grandmother's idols, Pelé, Coutinho, and I'm right next to them. And Marta? She's found her home with the Orlando Pride. 2022 is her sixth season with the team. It's the longest she's gone without a team folding on her. The Brazilian women continue to fight for the game they love. In 2019, when they are knocked out of the World Cup, an emotional martyr spoke to the camera. It's wanting more. It's training more. It's taking care of yourself more. It's being ready to play 90 plus 30 minutes. 
This is what I ask of the girls. There's not going to be a martyr forever. There's not going to be a Christiani forever. There's not going to be a Formiga forever. The women's game depends on you to survive. So think about that. Value it more. Cry in the beginning so you can smile in the end. That may be the entire journey through Fuchibol Feminino in Brazil, summed up in 11 words. Cry in the beginning so you can smile in the end. Join us next week for the final episode of Hustle Rule. Shapeshifters, side hustlers and the new guard. Hustle Rule is a production of Waffle Iron Entertainment, Range Media Partners, Observatory, Audio Up Media, and iHeartRadio. Written and directed by Gwendolyn Oxenham. Hosted by me, Hannah Waddingham, and is based on the book Under the Lights and in the Dark, written by Gwendolyn Oxenham. The executive producers are Justin Biskin from Waffle Iron Entertainment, Bo Balligan from Range Media Partners, and Sean Titone from iHeartRadio. Co-written by Ruth Hilton, produced by Gwendolyn Oxenham, Ruth Hilton, and Jordana Glick-Fransheim. Co-produced by Jimmy Jelinek and Jared Gutstadt. Edited by Carrie caulfield Arick. Sound design and mixing by Jeremiah Zimmerman. Music by Jeff Peters and Bill Mart. Theme song performed by A1 LaFleur. You'll find more podcasts from iHeartRadio on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.